Hi, Steve. Okay, yeah. Hey, Mitch. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm I'm doing wonderful. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Meeple. Everyday Meeple. Where everyday people talk. Everything Sit in their homes people. and avoid other people. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually had a long conversation today. A, oh, a long. I think I said a long conversation. A long oh, yeah. conversation. Was it about yeah. board games? No. No, it wasn't. Mm. Just well, uh, let's just... have one of those. Let us. Not that. Not that I want. I, I am interested in the long, long conversation no, you had. Was I'm not interested longs? in talking about it. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't. It's all good. But it was just saying. You know, just saying that I got to chat with other people outside of my family, which I have been doing. But uh, you know, we've we've been given the option to gather in groups here in New Brunswick um, while practicing social distancing. So we'll see. Soon we'll be able to play board games from six it's, feet apart. It's almost gathering. I don't know. Yeah, we're getting there. It's fun. Yeah. I, I'm, okay, I'm okay with it. I'm, yeah. I'm awkward in, in closeness, so six feet, perfect. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I, I'm having... We, us introverts have trouble with this, right? We, were, we, had, uh, we sat down for uh, Thunder and Lightning trivia on Saturday, uh-huh. which, was, which was nice yeah, yeah. to see that back. It was great. That was a good thing. It was, uh, I had a lot of fun. That went a, a lot better than I imagined it would. And Both it, of us I, were not seen on camera at all. But it, me, me and you, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is it. I, if anyone's listening, like Jordy and, and Matt, it did a great job of hosting and it was funny and the questions were great. Uh, and I felt like a bit of a turd from about 10 minutes in when uh, I realized that 80% of people were allowing the had their cameras on mm. and were allowing people to see them on their couch and just relaxing and hanging out. And I, I immediately went in with, ah, it's just trivia. We're going to be snacking on the couch and blobbing out a bit. I'm just going to leave the camera off and take part in trivia to the point where I felt like there was no time then that would have been comfortable for me to turn the camera on. Oh, I, I then, think everybody would have been happy anytime. Oh, sh- sure. I, but it would have, I sat beside <laughs> Melissa just just off camera, <laughs> which would have been a, a better option. But you know, it, it would just have a uh, evoked maybe a oh hey Steve hey you're here and I'm like oh, oh god I got on mute I got to have a conversation there's a bunch of people I don't really know here, um, so it, it uh, there's still social awkwardness with uh, without being in a bar playing trivia. Yeah, I'm actually maybe. I I think I'm actually become more socially awkward now that we're distancing and doing stuff electronically. Mm-hmm. But that's not a conversation to have right now. No, because we're comfortable talking to each other through screens. About? About games. About games. About uh, nothing else, though. So how was your week? What did you play? Oh, I had a lot of fun this week, actually. Got into some interesting interesting stuff. I, of course, I'm just going to throw this out. I don't want to have a big conversation about it, but it did deflate me for a while. Did not win the Frosthaven scenario competition. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not kidding. My, my, my pulse was racing as I was reading through the entries. And I, and I knew. I gave up reading entries after about, uh, I read about 30. And I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of really good ones here. And uh, I'm like, I don't want to read anymore. I'll just keep my hopes up and have some fun. Uh, did not win. But, uh, and some of the, the scenarios that win, uh, that won, were, uh, I checked those out. And they're all, they look like a ton of fun. Um, someone had I'm, designed one, for example, on an iceberg. Yeah. So as you kill uh, enemies, uh, the iceberg starts tilting. You drop a token, uh, and it uh, affects movement and things like that. It's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, cool contest. I think they ended up picking seven or eight <coughs> winners. So I, I'm guessing you had extremely tough competition. I think a lot of people who, uh, you know, design games were were just working in that. You know, like. There's and and I don't mean professionally. I just mean in the yeah. in that community, you know, it's a huge thing. So especially whenever you get to a game like Gloomhaven, uh, I think there's a a huge saturation of people who oh, are tinkering yeah. constantly. So it's a pretty big community, as I found out when I you know started looking into it. Anyways, that people had already had spreadsheets. And have we have we explained at all what that contest was? Did we I think did we on talk a previous episode? Maybe I briefly described it, but for anyone who doesn't know, what um, Gloomhaven is? 
Yeah, so this game Frosthaven just um just got funded on Kickstarter for a whopping like 12 almost 13 million US dollars. And it's the sequel to a game called Gloomhaven, which is a giant uh kind of almost RPG in a box for the experience you get, but it's actually kind of a tactical card playing uh combat kind of skirmish game. Um but anyways, it's the number one ranked game on BGG and it's extremely popular and uh it's been number uh, one since it came out. Like it, it got to the top and it yeah. stayed there. It's not your necessarily like a family game. It's like twenty-two pound box that has a lot of setup and a lot of rules, and it's a really kind of hobby uh, gamer. And they're trying to amend that. They're coming out with more of a, a friendly, a friendlier, uh, almost like family-sized campaign. The, the but, first big and I, and we might have mentioned this before one of the really fascinating things about gloomhaven and it kind of really surprised people is that this is the first game i think it took down seven wonders for for the top of the bgg ranking mm-hmm. and it had no retail uh box right. there's you couldn't buy it in a store you could only buy it through kickstarter and maybe through their website and that right. was it and yet it still uh came to the top of the ranks and stayed there for years yeah, it is a it's a bizarre thing, and I mean, he's obviously struck a nerve with a lot of people with Frosthaven uh, making that much money, which made it the most funded board game. I think game that's the negative. He struck a chord. I think it's the oh right, yeah, struck a nerve is is like <laughs> oh man, people are pissed. <laughs> I'm sure he struck a nerve with some people too, actually, yeah, but um, but no, it's pretty cool. Congrats to him and his whole team for making that in, insane amount of money. I had I had the thought today as I was listening to another podcast, and they brought up Frosthaven actually. How, um, and I'll talk about this podcast later. But someone on the podcast on Ludology had mentioned that <clears throat> not sure that that game would be possible in a world without Kickstarter. Like, mm-hmm. no publisher would necessarily yeah. take that on. If yeah, yeah. You got a MSRP, one hundred and fifty dollar game. Um, it's like uh, I think we we just talked about it during the deck building episode where uh, when Richard Garfield tried to sell right. uh, Robo Rally, which was years ago, uh, Wizards of the Coast was like that's that's too big a production for us, and like yeah, and that was a it's a pretty small game by the Gloomhaven uh, dwarfed that, but that's like the modern version of yeah without without Kickstarter without self-publishing like that yeah i'd be really curious uh and you know i'm sure he he had no interest and i don't know i have no idea maybe he did but uh whether a publisher would have picked up frosthaven knowing the 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 success that gloomhaven had um but still such an um, immense uh game you know it's just it's so huge so anyways yeah that, that funded on kickstarter but while that kickstarter was going on they had a contest where just regular old everyday meeple like me could try to design a, a scenario and if if you won you got paid and you got your scenario included in the game um but yeah alas there was 300 entries and mine was not picked but um it was it was a fun exercise for me who you know i've got to bounce off some of your your you have a bit more of a game designer mind than i do and i've got to bounce off some of your ideas and test some of your games and that's been fun but that was really my first go at kind of messing around with rules and play testing my own kind of thing even though it was totally someone else's game but i was just you know messing with an idea um it was it was a lot of fun and uh yeah i don't regret it but yeah why would, why would you regret that? <laughs> That's true. Ah, <I> w- <laughs> oh, why did I put my ballot in the box? Oh. <laughs> I mean, was there a book you should have been reading? Is that? <laughs> Always a book I should be reading. I'm surrounded by them. Unread books. I'm going to die with a shelf full of unread books. But I'm sorry you didn't win. It looked good. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I read it. It was it was fun. We can We can play it sometime. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it up on Board Game Geek at some point for anyone well, we who can, wants we to can rip through write, content. Write a, write a little thing. We'll put it on the website. There you go. I'll make it available to the masses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the masses. It... But yeah, so that was the that was a big part of my week. Um, what about you? What, what, what are you up to? What have we, you been up to? Uh, we bought, well, uh, game design-wise, Macy and I, uh, oh, the I saw fri- Friday night uh, before Mother's Day, 
uh, Macy, as she was going to bed, said to me, oh, I have a great idea for what we should do for mom. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. What? Because we have nothing. Because <laughs> you and I are terrible, Macy. Uh, <laughs> and she says, oh, we should make her a game because Macy loves getting up in the morning and making a new game. And, and then yeah, we, yeah. we play it after breakfast. And I was like, man, we don't, we don't have a lot of time. You know, we have Saturday <laughs> and that's it. So we don't have a... <laughs> We don't have a lot of time for that. And she kind of got this like sad eyes and it's just like mm. little. And then like 10 minutes later, she's like, oh, I know what the game should be. And I was like, okay, what should the game be? And she's like, it should be stitching and crafting. That's awesome. And so I was, I was like, oh, this, I don't know what's going to happen because you know, we have right. no, no time. The way, the way my brain works uh, in order to do that, I have to do... Uh, you know, she'll she'll spend the more she'll wake up in the morning and she will stay in bed for two hours and like just scribble and scribble and scribble and then like right. piece it all together and like she tries to write rules now and everything like she's she goes as far as she can That's and awesome. then we and then we play uh, play these games and and so I was just like okay so it's something like that's gonna happen and I'll help her color some things whatever and uh, Melissa went to put her to bed, and I went to to have a bath and read my Kindle in the bath because my Kindle's waterproof. It's amazing. Wow, really? Yeah, it's waterproof. Did, did, didn't Fantastic. know that. Yeah, that's why I bought that one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, and while I was lying there uh, trying to read, my brain kept going uh, over this idea. So I had this earlier idea that I was trying to rework into something else, and it's another. It's a worker placement dice. Uh, game sort of built off the Las Vegas engine where mm. you rolled dice and, and placed your dice out to win the areas mm. and, and winning the areas would get you a, a resource resource bonus. And uh, so I figured, oh, we'll just, we'll just take that and I'll make a crafting game out of that. So I went downstairs at like 9 o'clock and from 9 till almost 11 I just, wow. I just pieced out this thing. I pieced out as much as I could so that Macy would have uh, enough to start in the morning. So, like, uh, whenever she got up and we had breakfast, I took her down and I showed her what I'd been doing, and she's like, yeah, this is great, and this should be like that, and that's like that. And then I started printing off cards, and she started coloring. And there's, like, um, there's little uh, patterns, and there's four different colors of resources. And so she started coloring all of these. There's, like, 50 cards that she colored uh, wow. different cubes and then we have uh, these other bonus cards that give you uh, extra actions or stuff that you can do on your turn or bonus right. points and so she colored all those and like she colored the, the game board and at the same time she's working on this hand stitching that she decided to do for Melissa which oh is beautiful God. and so she spent the day she woke up in the morning and she worked on her, her stitching craft for, for Melissa and and then spent the day between uh, working on this board game and working on the thing, wow. and then and then Mother's Day we played it, and it wasn't broken at all. It uh, we played it and it was fun and it worked. We made uh, notes and we changed things as we played the first game, and but it was good and it was. Close. So what do you what do you do exactly? I know you said the Las Vegas system, but uh, uh, there's <laughs> it's basically we're not. I I'm gonna change sort of the theme around a little. Like we started off as just just sort of cross stitching or stitching of any kind really but there's basically four colors of thread and you have a four by four grid you have two four by four grids on your player mat and you're picking up the different colors of thread and you're trying to match patterns so you start off with one simple pattern and you you match it and as soon as you match it at the end of that turn you can cash it in for the points and cool uh, so the resources that you get uh, you each person has three dice. They roll the dice. They place the dice in the different worker spots they can get. There's four different resources. There's these bonus cards. There's getting new patterns, and some other stuff that didn't didn't work out that we're just retooling. Uh, mm-hmm. But the main parts of it all worked. And whoever has the highest number in the particular resource gets the most of that resource. So they'll get three threads instead of uh, then the second place will get two in the last two places we'll get one if you're playing with four players and then you take your stuff and you try and fill in your patterns and you cash them in and the first person to 50 wins wow that sounds and great the, the second game we played went even better and uh i mean it was three of us playing and between the winner and the loser was like eight point difference and the second game melissa and i tied 
And so we had to come up with a tiebreaker as to who had actually finished more patterns. And so Melissa, wow. yeah. Sounds great. As a, as an elevator pitch that, uh, that sounds there's, like there's something fun there. There's no other, uh, stitching games besides patchwork. Right. I couldn't find anything. Oh, so, there's, there's one I, I used to see that I thought was, I kept thinking it was patchwork, but knit, knitwit or something like that. But that's a total. Knitwit is a trivia game. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah, but it has like a spool on the cover yeah. or something. But it's a trivia it, game. Yeah, I can't remember if it's Matt Leacock or or something. Where it's it's an interesting one where you're coming up with uh, like the topics and stuff are based on how you string. Like there's uh, different topics. I, I can't remember how it works, but you string the string between the spools, and those connections make what the what the question is going to be. Right. Huh. It's a, we- it's a weird one. It's interesting. It. it was on yeah. sale one time, and I, I thought about buying it, but yeah, we don't play a lot of trivia mm. games. So I'm excited about this, and I'm going to keep retooling it until I have yeah. something uh, more functional. That's great. We we made we didn't have uh, the resources for it, right? Because I didn't know how many we'd need, so I didn't need to steal all the cubes from the other games because it seemed like the way I was just giving out resources willy-nilly in this, where you're taking three at a time and two at a time, and four at a time with bonus cards it takes a lot of resources. So uh, my solution was to take Macy's melty beads, you know, those fuse oh, beads, yeah. and mm-hmm. I spaced them all out and melted them down flat, and we used those as, as the resources. So we also spent the day uh, separating melty beads and melting them, which I totally screwed up and, like, ruined one of our little pegboards and fuse oh, beads uh. to the thing. And uh, But it worked out. It was fun. That's cool. Wow, way to pull it together uh night day before. Impressive. Day before I'm, I'm just, it worked. That's uh yeah. I mean, I was expecting to start playing it and go, Oh, that is totally broken. Let's you know, yeah. having to change the the actual and, rules while you're playing the game yeah. is is not a fun thing to do. So And of course mom it worked out and was great. Melissa and moms everywhere would be uh, completely satisfied with any board game their kid made them uh, for Mother's Day, even if it made no sense whatsoever. So just a bonus that you could actually play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I was really happy to get to play a game that's been on my list for a very long time. Uh, Oh, yes. Yes. Tell me about, (laughs) tell me about what game is that? I will. I I got a chance to play the quiet year um, by Avery Alder. Avril. Mm-hmm. And uh who is a bit of a celebrity uh for what for what she does and has done uh at least one, I think two for sure, uh weekend retreats in Tatamagush uh doing social role play stuff. Yeah, she was I think she was and... actually scheduled to be there this month. Um and you yeah. know this whole thing is kind of messed with that, but um she has lots of testimony from those workshops. People just seem to to love them. But she, um, yeah, she's a she's a game designer who makes kind of really unique games, uh, kind of outside the scope of the kind of games we talk about on here for the most part. But um, she designs mostly role playing games. Um, probably her most famous one, I think, would be this game called Monster Hearts, about kind of teenage monsters. Um, that I can't really speak to because I don't know much about it other than it's popular. Um, but the game I got to play is called the quiet year and, um, it, it kind of bounced back into my brain because shut up and sit down recently. Their new used to be intern now is part of shut up and sit down. Tom just reviewed it as a game that would be easy and fun to play during social isolation. He even suggested you could even play it by yourself, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but, um, it, I can see that. She she builds a lot of her games sort of things you can do solo too. Well, so. I'll tell you, after I tell you about the game... I'll, Maybe not a I'll, lot, but she I'll does. tell you where I think there's value in playing something like this solo. But um, as a solo gamer, but for, for other reasons. But The Quiet Year basically is a map drawing game um, where... A group, How does that Yeah, work? a group of people around the table basically are going to contribute to just on a regular sheet of printing paper or what do they call that a1 in the biz is that what they call it no that's europe okay uh well just a regular piece of paper we don't we don't use <laughs> those that uh the european uh terminology 
uh, causes problems here where you couldn't put a piece of A1 in your printer properly because it's like millimeters different. Ooh, that's rough. You know, that's the the whole A1 stuff is from taking a whole uh, full size sheet of paper and cutting mm-hmm. cutting it down and sort of. So we have very similar eight and a half by eleven, eleven by seventeen, mm-hmm. all very similar, but they're all off by a couple millimeters. And yes, so us here uh, in Canada, eight and a half by eleven. Not that any of that matters. Yeah, regular sheet of paper. You're going to contribute. Uh, you could call it letter sized. Letter sized paper, where a group of people maybe are going to contribute to a map by drawing things, buildings, symbols uh, on, on a map. But basically, the kind of setup for this game, which is really intriguing uh, for me, got my brain kind of going right away. Uh, the idea is that you're a community who has survived the jackals. It's as, it's as cryptic as that. And you have one quiet year of relative peace where you get to rebuild your community uh, in preparation for the winter when the frost shepherds are going to come. And you don't really know what any of this means. None of it sounds great, right? I mean, shepherds are usually a positive thing, but it sounds like you need to get ready for the winter. Um, And so basically what happens is, and I played with my wife, uh, and you can play with more, I think you can play with, you can probably play with as many many as you want but i'm for some reason forced and in my brain i don't have the rules right in front of me but um we just kind of went back and forth and it starts basically the the rule book recommends that you come up with um your one piece of geographical information so right away both Susie and i were like water we want to be close to water uh, i had pictured the ocean she had pictured a river so right away we uh i said well fine we have a river that's kind of flowing you know, close and flowing into the ocean. So we had this kind of river almost almost cutting our map in half and then a, a big kind of beachy like ocean. We faced the ocean on the bottom of our community. And that was the starting ground. And so you can buy the, the game physically from Avery's website, which is called buriedwithoutceremony.com. Um, or you can just buy the PDF um, and you can makeshift the game in your house. Just you need a 52 deck standard playing cards and some dice, index card, and your sheet of paper. Um, and basically what you're going to do is you're going to break the deck of cards into four of its suits with uh, and, and, and stacking them, shuffling them, and then uh, hearts on bottom, then diamonds, then clubs, uh, and then, oh, sorry, spades on bottom, then clubs, then hearts and diamonds. And each of the are those the seasons? Those are the seasons of the year. Yeah. So you know the hearts. Every card you f- you flip um, on the PDF. If you scroll to the end of the PDF, uh, it tells you. You know the Ace of Hearts is. You read this, and it's usually two choices where you get to choose something that happens. So you know it might say right away that you know what is the role of children in your community, or uh, what's a, a a resource that you have. Um, which is another big part of the game. After you, you just, I should have said this, the other thing you start with, after you decide what the uh, geographical features are, you both get to pick what's a resource that you have in the community. So we said water and wood. And then you have to co- collectively decide which one do you have in abundance, which one do you have in scarcity. So weirdly enough, we said we have a bunch of wood. We, we have woods on this side, uh, on the opposite side of the ocean, but we can't drink the water because it's salty from the ocean and the river's poison. So we, have, we didn't have much water. Hmm. So that was our kind of dynamic to start. Um, I would have started with laughter. And you could. And then this is kind of what my brain has been thinking about this game a lot. And in, and it would have been scarce because the jackals just left. Right, exactly. I, I think you could have a lot of weird, open-ended uh, fun with this game. Uh, we played it kind of, I think, straight. And to me, I kind of played it in the spirit of how the rule book sounded and the examples that were given. Like, I do think Avery really wants this to be about community building. Um, but obviously the rules are open enough that I think you could do whatever you wanted, really. Um, but we had a ton of fun by the, and you know, some cards. So like, like I said about the role of children in the community, you might say, yeah, well, children are, and we didn't have this one. I'm just making this up. Um, you know, children, they go fetch all of, all of the wood. They're just wood luggers. And you might draw uh, some representation of that, a couple stick figures with big logs on their shoulders or something like that. That's why there's no laughter. Right, exactly. Because you're making the children do all the work. So a lot of the choices that you make um, gives you the opportunity to draw something small on the map to represent that. So you have some actions. You can um, 
the first thing you always do is flip a card and then resolve one of those choices. Then you um, have to, uh, why you have dice in the game is uh, you can start projects, like you can start build a fish plant or a water filtration, water distillation, however you're going to clean the water in your, in your group. And you represent those on your map by putting dice there. And those count down, basically. You decide how many weeks it takes. And uh, as you, on every turn, you, you, you make the dice lower. When it gets to one after one, you say, okay, my fish plant is built. Here's what it does. Here's what it looks like. And you draw it on the map. Um, so yeah, you get to flip a card and resolve it. You lower those project dice. And then you get to take an action where you can either start a project, like I just said. You can decide that you want to build something in your community and get it started by putting the dice there. You can hold a discussion, which might be me saying to you, Mitch, well, actually, Susie started off really good for our game. Uh, and she said that something like, um, the people in this community, um, they hang the bones of the dead on their door. It's like a religious kind of thing. They, that's what they, they do. But there's a group in the community that don't like that. Uh, and that started the kind of conflict in our Group. but she just brought that up as a discussion and then I'm allowed to respond we don't make a decision about it we just kind of have a community discussion and move on and but that kind of exists then and then the other thing you can do is discover something new where the and this is kind of what the rule book Avery suggests if things are too easy it feels like your community is like probably boring and doing okay you might say something like uh, I ventured off into the woods and I discovered werewolves uh, I mean you might not go that crazy we did things like, you know, a poisonous well, poisonous mushrooms. There was a lot of poison and, and stuff and mutation in our community for some reason. But anyways, we played it over. We played like an hour and a half uh, at night, and then we finished it over breakfast in the morning. And by the end of it, it was just totally wacky. We had, uh, you know, our community was split on religious grounds about the people who like to hang bones on the door. And then the other people who thought that feeding bodies into the river was going to like cure the river that's totally the opposite thing you should do. But then we had a, a group of uh, parish, they were called the parish just came out of the woods and into our community and they were wearing uh, bear cloaks and they basically were trying to trick us into joining their cult or religion where they needed, so they could eat, so they you. could feed us to the bears to kind oh, of appease yeah. the bears. I think that would work. And at the same time, our community was kind of mutating from all the poison. Someone was smuggling fish out of the fish plant and, uh, it was all really cool and really a good like workshop for creativity. Uh, the only weird thing I will say about it is that you just you end up over the course of playing the game, you have so many threads going in the community that they're all they're mm -hmm. not going to resolve. And there's no yeah. real end like there's no ending to the community. It's just uh, yeah, you flip the king of spades at some point in winter, and it's like the frost shepherds are here. Game over. Yay. And you're just kind of left with, well, I wonder what's going to happen to that community, which I think is the point. And it's kind of cool that, um, you know, you can't tie things up in a neat bow or even climb like catastrophically end the community. It just ends with things hanging in the air in some cases. Is someone going to get tried for murder or the, is the bear, the, the bear feeding parish going to recruit half our town away. And it did leave a lot of, cool thoughts in my head um yeah i have to say it's like i would i highly recommend it even for 10 bucks just reading the rule book is an exercise in like wow this is a different type of game uh, anyways i rambled for a long time thanks for listening to that <laughs> on a on a much lighter note we played a, a new rudger dorn game uh well not new it's from 2015 but uh is nothing like that nothing like that I at bet. all it's a it's it's almost, uh, it's almost candy compared to that. Uh, Mercado, mm -hmm. Mercado, and it's <coughs> what's the rating? It's it's ranked it's in like the four thousand six point four or something like that. I... It's it's got a ranking of like four thousand, and some very positive reviews. But I think I think it's been uh, it's been passed over, right? It's uh, Rutger Dorn is we like him. He does uh, Karuba. He does uh, what else did he do? He's done a bunch of stuff. Uh, the name Rutger. sounds really familiar, but I couldn't. Um... Rutger Dorn. Uh, well, you know Karuba, yeah. and you love Karuba. Yeah. He's uh, things like that. 
I just I'm looking it up right now on the on the thing because he's done a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Las Vegas. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. One we've he's got done a lot of Las play. Vegas, Karuba, Luxor. Oh yeah, which I think got a nomination for some stuff. Yeah, that was uh, recently. Istanbul, which is pretty huge. Yeah. That seems like a bit of a staying game, evergreen game. Diamonds Club, Goa is uh, fairly popular. Well, even though Luxor and Istanbul is, is to me, uh, yeah, he's a big designer. So the game was good, though, eh? Yeah, so Lux, Luxor got a Spiel de Jar nominee in 2018. Right. Uh, Mercado, I feel, gets overlooked because it has... Uh, it sort of looks like more than it is. Oh, it's saying Mercado is brand new. I thought it was 2015, but saying it's 2018. Yeah, it's not very old at all. 2018. Maybe it's not been looked over at all. Then maybe it's just fresh. I had uh, yeah. The first time I looked up looked it up before I bought it, I thought that said 2015, and it had a ranking of 4,800. Right. Right. So I thought, oh man, it's sad. But here's the thing about it. It's a great family game. It is a great stepping stone to to other games. It's uh, it's got this. I uh, like. I was looking at. Uh, we bought it from uh, Comic Hunter in Moncton. They put all their stuff up online, and this was in their sale bin. And so I was going through the sale bin, and I was looking into this, and it hits on a bunch of boxes uh, of games that Macy likes. Right? It's got uh, selling stuff. She loves mm. playing. Uh, store stuff so it's got cool money it's just wooden chips that are money it's got buying necklaces and jewelry (laughs) and like perfume so she's super excited about stuff like that and uh and it's a really simple system so and it's got bag building right it's got pulling tokens out of a bag which is the same system that uh talisman uh works with the kids talisman that we play so and it's the same bags that Talisman uses, which is uh, so they're they're obviously manufactured in the same place, different companies. It's uh, this one's by Cosmos, right? Um, and so I, I, I watched some videos. Uh, Rado runs through it, liked it. Uh, Tom Vassell talked like he didn't really like it, but then <laughs> but then said he liked it at the end. Uh, which some people in the I was reading the the communic the conversation at the bottom and people were like, Oh, you just said you liked it because it's Rutger Dorn and you can't and like it's just like so it's just <sighs> weird. I couldn't find a very solid yeah, yeah. yes. But I knew based on what it was and how it played yeah. that it was gonna be fun for Macy to play and and it didn't cross a line where we would think it sucked. Right. Which is the nice balance that I'm looking for in playing a, a game with her right now. because uh, 'cause I'd wanna play I want to hook her on stuff that's not always uh, game right games, right. which get tedious. You know, after ten games of Ratatat Cat, mm-hmm. I still love the game, but I want to play something else. Yeah, same thing. We played Bees for a week. We played Ratatat Cat for a week. Here's a new thing, and we bought it and showed her the box, and she loved the box. It's just this dark blue medieval thing with a fancy gold goblet. And a, and a girl's face reflected in the goblet, and she was automatically was like, wow, what's this? I love it. And so we opened the box, and there's all these wooden coins and bright colors and the same black silk bags and, and the double-sided. She, she automatically liked that uh, there's four-player tokens, and it's a girl on one side and it's a boy on the other, and she mm. was automatically stoked. Oh, good, you can be either. So she was excited about that. And then the system... Uh, each person starts, there's uh, silver coins, gold coins, bronze coins... And uh, counterfeit coins. Mm. There are black coins and there are turquoise coins. But the black coins, the counterfeit coins, are worthless. And then there's uh, all these different tiles that come out. These square tiles. Uh, there's whenever you lay out the the board, which is just the table, uh, there'll be four item tiles and two perfume tiles, and then there's two permanent ones. That's like a, a two market vendors sort of thing. One of them does a sort of a money changing and the other one lets you buy these bonus tokens. Uh, on your turn, you pull three coins from your bag and decide where to place them. And all of the different tiles will have 
a different value that you have to pay. Some of them are like three of any coin, some of them are like two silver, one gold, some of them are, you know, two turquoise, two silver. Some of them will have a white coin, which is a wild coin, which you can only get uh, through various spots. and You don't start with them, right. but you can pick them up and feed your bag as you go. And uh, what you do is you place your coins out on your side of the card. So there's the tiles will have four sides to them, each with a player color, and you put your coins there. And if you finish uh, enough to buy it, then you immediately get the points and whatever bonuses. So they could give you, uh, there's a couple different types of bonuses, and one of them is uh, these little scrolls that automatically give you bonus points, plus maybe a white coin. Sometimes they'll give you counterfeit coins, which are bad, uh, or they'll give you these seals that let you draw two extra uh, coins from your bag on your turn. Mm. And and the points are just, there's a circular track that you move for points, and it has no numbers on it. You just, uh, at the beginning of the game, you place a token where you want to start, and as soon as someone gets around to the finish, which is the start, uh, everybody plays the same amount of turns, and whoever's farther ahead wins. Mm. And different spots that you land on will also give you bonuses or counterfeit coins or bonus coins. And that's it. It's like, it's super simple. Huh. And 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 she loved it. We played it once, and we played it again immediately. Then we played it again immediately, and we've played it. We bought it. <coughs> we didn't play it Sunday because we uh, took out the the game that right. Macy and I had made, mm-hmm. and we played that. But uh, we bought it. You dropped it off at our house on like Friday, yep. and we played it uh, Friday and Saturday. We probably almost ten times. Wow, it's amazing. So it plays pretty fast. <clears throat> It's yeah, it's a it's a really quick game. It goes to fifty, um, and Macy had just kept wanting to play it, and and it wasn't boring. Like it was fun. It's a great stepping stone for for kids getting into games, and it's not it's not boring or dull for grown ups at all. Cool. It's not deep, you know. And I I think this is why I was thinking it was getting overlooked. Why it's at four thousand for a ranking. Right. It's not deep. There's not huge. Uh, thoughts involved. You're not, you're not strategizing from turn to turn. You pull out three coins. You look at where what's going on, and uh, and that's it. You just you do the best you can on the, on your turn. And there is a flip side to the scoring track that has a little more take. That it's giving everybody else when you land on stuff mm. counterfeit coins. Oh. So it it really muddies people's uh, coin purses all the time. Right. And the one other thing you can do on your turn uh, is put your coins back in your bag. Because as you spend them, they thin out from your bag, right. which hel- helps you figure out what's in your bag, but uh, you run out. So you might end up with a bag full of counterfeit coins and you want your good stuff back in, so you can sort of skip your turn and fill it back up. Right. Well, well, it's great. We love, you know. Well, that's good. It's um, it's it's worth it. Yeah, sound, sounds and then, like t- it. And then tonight we didn't play it. Because she wanted to play Ink and Gold, mm. which I know we've talked about uh, a bunch on other things, but <clears throat> Ink and Gold, uh, this is what I've discovered. Uh, she hasn't played it for a couple of years because we played it to death, right. but she's right at the perfect age to be playing it. Now she's seven and we're, we're doing her math work uh, during the day, and she's right at uh, some, some more complex uh, addition. Right and multiplication and ink and gold is all counting out gems yeah, yeah. and dividing them am- among all the players. So uh, a lot of it seems pretty easy, but it just, it gets that repetitive stuff yeah, and totally. gets her brain working right before bed. And she's like trying to count stuff out and like, she's doing a good job. So awesome. It's like group counting and multiplication yeah, yeah. and ink and gold, <clears throat> ink and gold. Awesome. Not, uh, not that I explained it at all, but, you know. Yeah, we've yeah. You all know ink and gold. <laughs> um, I know we're we're probably inching closer to an hour, but I I uh, if I could backpedal for a second, because I feel like I I maybe ended negatively on the quiet ear and and said uh, I didn't want to paint it in a in a negative light and say like oh you listened to me talk about a boring game for a long time because it wasn't that at all, and I have to stress that it's it didn't. I didn't. I didn't get that from you at all. Yeah, I think it, it sounded really that interesting. That was just more me catching uh, a breath, and uh, yeah. But I have to say that. Um, well, you know how I feel about Fog of Love. Even though I have barely played it since I, I wrote a piece for it, um, but that did something for me with storytelling that I was just like, "Wow!" Like I didn't really know games could do this. 
Um, the quiet year kind of scratches a similar itch for me where I'm like, wow, there's some real interesting improvisational storytelling, um, really memorable kind of game moments that is a really important part of gaming for me, I think. And uh, I just wanted to speak to for a second because I said uh, that Tom recommended it as a solo uh, thing. And I thought oh, yeah. what could be really interesting is, um, and I, I think I maybe, maybe we'll come back to that on a later episode to talk about this type of storytelling in games a bit different. But um, I think it could be really fun to say, play this on your own and get a bunch of ideas and build this little community. If you were a, a GM or a, running indie role-playing games or something, and you wanted to have a few communities to come across in your games that were of your own creation, kind of, you could kind of flesh out some weird communities with, you know, believable characters and, and weird, interesting, uh, interesting kind of things happening in a community, you know, religious disputes and scarcities and resources and mutated people. And uh, you could kind of have them at your fingertips with a little map to say, to your to players hey you showed up in what wherever today welton was our town which was you know well town basically because our, our well was a big thing but you, you kind of got i think a lot of the homework for yourself done by playing kind of a creative by doing your homework yeah and well just kind of playing a creative exercise it's like creative writing yeah. but you're drawing a map and doing a lot of thinking you know so uh yeah and and like you making jokes about laughter being a scarce resource. I kind of would love to sit around a table. Um, I'm not sure that our kind of game group would, would love it. I feel like someone like Andrew would love it maybe um, where I think you could, you could be as serious as you wanted, or you could be as wacky as you wanted. You could do like a real kind of Douglas Adams type of community or a, a, you could go into space or you could go underground and you could, it could be ridiculous. Yeah. If you wanted your, your scarce resource to be laughter and you're, you're abundant in, I don't know. I can't even think I'm going to bring televisions. <laughs> <laughs> so many televisions. What do you do? I don't know. What a, what a horrible juxtaposition. We've come to a time after the jackals <laughs> where laughter is scarce because television sucks yeah. and they're everywhere. We could be, we could be living that we now. We built our homes out of leftover televisions. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyways, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to chatting about this game sometime in the future. But uh, I did, I did stumble upon something else. I don't know if we have time to dive into. Oh yeah, no the, yeah, quickly the mystery. Yeah, let's go. Uh, we, I want to know. A few episodes ago, you found something else about Pro- Prospero. It might not Prospero. Hall. It might not be Prospero anything Hall. you don't already know. Um, but it was made a little more clear in my head as to what's going on. A few episodes back, we talked a little bit about the cooperative game Horrified as designed or... Which is an amazing great game. game. Super fun. Designed, Beautiful. invented by the studio Prospero Hall, right? And yeah. uh, we kind of wanted to dig into the mystery of like, who's this? Who are these, studi- these studios? They're a, they're a studio, not a particular designer. Yeah. They're listed as the designer all the time, but they're an actual studio. Yeah. And they've designed a bunch of cool games, Jaws and, and the, the Villainous series and Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, which I didn't realize. So anyways, here, so here's the realization I had. I uh, went for a run today and I listened to the latest episode of Ludology and uh, Gil Hova and Emma Larkins were interviewing. Don't have his name in front of me, but uh, he uh, works for Funko and he was the lead designer on the Funkoverse games which are yeah. everywhere now. Which are Prospero Hall. Which are Prospero Hall. So yeah. he uh, yeah, he was there to talk about what it's like to work for a game studio. And so I thought, you know, uh, I didn't look in. I didn't realize that the Funkoverse games were necessarily Prospero Hall going into this interview. I thought the Funkoverse was its own uh, thing. Um, and what I realized, and we had, I think we, we brought this up in our, in our podcast episode that... Um, you know, Prospero Hall is a, the, the company, uh, you know, with Prospero Hall's within Forest Prusan, or however you pronounce that. Yeah. And I think that came up in our thing. So this guy that the uh, Ludology were interviewing, he basically started talking about how he, he, he was a content creator, podcast, worked at a board game store, but was always networking, and eventually ended up chatting with the, some people from Forest Prusan. And they asked him if he wanted to interview and eventually offered him a job explain you know that they're this kind of studio and they make games 
And he mulled it over, took the job, and very quickly realized you know, he's living his dream, being a game creator. And we talked about this in the episode where it's like, yeah, of course, if you could work full-time designing games, and yeah, yeah. there's a real positive to it. He spoke a little bit to the cons of it. Um, but at some point in the episode, he was talking about being the lead designer on Funkoverse. And basically, uh, yeah, so I went in not knowing about that this had anything to do with Prospero Hall. And he basically started talking about uh, his own kind of designs. And then he said, you know, Villainous was a huge success for us. And Jaws was a huge success for us. And all these games started popping in Target. And we decided to release these under Prospero Hall. Um, so they started Prospero Hall for their strategy games. Any games that yeah. had a bit of more of a strategical heft to them went under Prospero Hall. So he said that they went and pitched. Uh, they got in touch with Funko and said they had an idea for a strategy game that could use the Funko mini pops or whatever they're called, um, the pop figures. And basically after chatting, uh, Funko loved it so much, they bought Forrest Prusan. Oh, wow. So Funko is the umbrella over all of these guys. Um, wow, that's new. That's Yeah. So That's recent. Uh, and I was I was in the middle of a run and was like two years. Whoa! I, I kind of wanted to to call you because we I feel like we're Nancy Drew and these guys, but you know, there's it's all out oh. there on the internet. Um, but yeah, basically, <laughs> they liked the pitch so much they bought the company. And he didn't outright <laughs> say that, but I think maybe you know me extrapolating on that conversation or what it maybe would have looked like to go out to lunch with someone from Funko and tell you tell them what your studio is all about and what Prospero Hall is doing. And like he said in the interview, if you go into Target and there's 60 games yeah. on the shelf, 30 or 40 of them might be under Forrest Prusan. Uh, and if you're saying that to a company that has just been skyrocketing, uh, the Funko, it's just that they're doing really yeah, well. They have. They might be the like, money that huh, they we can afford to buy this company with. who's making uh, really interesting strategy who has, games. Who has Disney IPs and yeah, I mean, and I was just going through the Prospero Hall and the the Funko games that are coming. They got Top Guns coming out, and in the title of yeah. Top Gun, it's a Top Gun strategy game. You know, they're yeah. being clear that these aren't just like Monopoly Top Gun. There's a bit more going on in these games. Anyways, it's a really uh, interesting interview, and I really wasn't expecting the the kind of because uh, he was talking pretty openly and really clearly. Actually, the whole first half of the interview, he was saying, and you know, I can't speak for other design studios. And the whole time I was like, oh, yeah, he's not going to say anything about Prospero Hall here. And then he eventually <laughs> said, we are Prospero Hall. And then eventually, Funko is our boss. Um, I was like, wow, you guys are huge. Uh, I, I, I got to wonder if his enthusiasm for the studio, I got to wonder what their salaries are. <laughs> there's, a, there's an interesting, it's funny that we came back to this again, but there's an interesting tie-in where, um, right now, video game studios are working really hard at putting out board games because right. board games uh, have blown up and are eclipsing video games in some uh, sections, right? Yeah. right? In some sectors, uh, board games have become more popular than video games, which is weird and unheard yeah. of for, you know. Uh, and video games work in a different way. Like, you, there's not uh, a designer's name on a video game. It's always a studio. Yeah. Right, it's a studio. It's so many people working together to put video games together, and and so I think that that shift is uh, maybe it's natural. Mm. It's weird because uh, we've we've seen board games rise up out of uh, that sort of manufacturing death grip by the big companies, and the the hobby games come up and be treated more like books and authors. But maybe as they get bigger and more, yeah. Uh, you know, like a, a, yeah, I don't know. So maybe they're maybe the studios are the future, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, there will always be a nod to like the creator yeah. of something. Hopefully, there's a creator in there. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's it's just gonna go both ways all the time. Yeah, probably. And there's more conversation to be had there. We probably don't have time, but. Uh... And and again, I'm not knocking Prospero Hall. No, they, no. they they've been. <clears throat> doing a great job i love a lot of their stuff it's been most everything i've i've played has been one uh except for their card quality <laughs> the productions are beautiful <laughs> and uh oh my god you know what it, i don't know if we have any more time 
I'll give a, a bit of a gap yep. there. Uh, the one thing I forgot to mention on the Champions, the Losers of Midgard mm-hmm. episode was my, my one big negative for the whole game. The whole of it. Was. All of all of it. The cards suck. <laughs> the cards are, are... I remember it because of Prospero Hall, because Prospero Hall always has slightly too thin yeah, cards. Yeah. But the, the Champions of Midgard cards are really too thin, and then they've put... Uh, the linen texture on mm. them, which I think gets pitched by manufacturers because they'll slide better, right? That's why they're on like poker cards, right? So that they they slide better. But whenever you don't have a, a gloss finish on them, when they're just pressed into too thin a paper, they they stick together like Velcro, which makes them super hard right, to shuffle, yeah, yeah. super hard to peel apart, mm. and like. And that's a game that that gets so much angst in it that I feel like having too thin a card. Uh, it's risky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's my that's my one negative for Champions of Midgard, and I totally <laughs> forgot to mention it. It's the card quality <clears throat> sucks. The art is beautiful. The cards <clears throat> themselves and the, and the print runs from from the base game to the expansions um, are different. Oh. So you'll always know that an expansion card is coming up because you can see a, a, there's a bit more gloss on that it. That happens too often. But... Blacker. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, that was unnecessary, but I felt felt obliged. It was necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, it was good chatting with you. I'm, I'm yeah, glad we are uh, slowly uncovering the mystery. That's not really a mystery at all. That some good uh, sleuthing online can just <laughs> we can just piece it together. I think. <laughs> no, not really. No, it's I mean, not easy. It's I, not I was, as easy. I was digging, yeah. and I don't think I would have stumbled across the Funko connection. I mean, I knew they were making the Funko games, but I I wouldn't have. Stumbled upon the Funko might have bought them. Mm. That's that's cool. Yeah, very interesting. I'll have to go listen to that uh, Ludology episode. Yeah, it's an interesting chat for sure. All right, man. We'll see you next time. All right. Happy uh, see you, happy Bye, hanging everybody. with your family. Please use our email feedback at everybody meeple everyday meeple dot com. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Bye, everybody. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>